And uh, yeah, not a whole lot to go on from last night for me. Just congrats to the winners is all. Anything else you want to mention there? No, not a whole lot. I mean, one thing I do want to mention is Brian Russ joining the Pittsburgh second line. Um, our the winner actually, Robbie in our in our Slack chat had Pittsburgh Pittsburgh two in his lineup. Um, Russ was a late swap with um, Kasperi Kapanen at, at, at warmups, and I think Brian Russ being on that line is going to do a lot for Malkin. Um, you look at their numbers the last few years. Uh, Russ has really good numbers with Malkin. Malkin has good numbers with Russ. Um, something to keep in mind moving forward because Malkin has looked pretty bad all season. Um, finally kind of showed through last night, four shots, couple assists. Um, I think that Pittsburgh two, Pittsburgh two should probably be, be back on our radar now that Brian Russ is on that second line. Yeah. I thought maybe the late swap would get us there early goal tip in Crosby, uh, from Kapanen. I thought the people that, uh, like redid all their lineups and made adjustments when there were late changes. And it was a team that I think uh, a lot of us were on, uh, in Pittsburgh thought we might get rewarded there, but. Uh, Toronto put an end to that very quickly. It was, you know, it was basically over at the end of the first. And then I think Thornton got another goal or, you know, he got the three point bonus and it was like, all right, well, close the laptop. If you didn't have all the Joe Thornton and uh, I had some Toronto onslaughts, but a lot of them had Tavares in them, um, like a couple of Josh stacks. And so did not work out, but Good four gamer today. Initial thoughts on this one. I mentioned it's pretty uh, news intensive, but uh, what are some things you're looking at off the jump here? Yeah, that's the first thing is that news is going to be coming. Um, you know, just a couple minutes ago, I saw something about Winnipeg lines, and we'll talk about that later. Um, Winnipeg might be changing things up. Calgary is certainly going to change things up. Um, Detroit has Evgeny Svechnikov maybe coming into the lineup tonight. Vladimir Nemestikov is out for Detroit. He was on their top power play unit. Um, so being around, you know, the nice thing is, is that we don't have a ton of games, so you don't have to be there like, you know, seven Eastern and seven thirty Eastern and eight Eastern. You just have to check in a couple of times through the night to make sure you're not missing anything major. But other than that, what's jumping out to me is like, usually when we get these Canadian slates and I call them Canadian slates, when we have like three or four games and like half of them or more are Canadian teams. Like, usually you'll just see a ton of ownership on those teams, and justifiably so. Like, if you look at the goal-scoring columns for teams or for players or whatever, it's just littered with Canadian teams and Canadian players because a lot of teams are bad defensively up here, and there's a lot of talent. Um, But if you look at the other games, like Chicago going into Carolina, um, those are two teams who have, like, a ton of goal-scoring. We've seen Carolina just a couple nights ago, like, absolutely just catch fire. Um, and put up a big night. Like Carolina right now um, is sixth by five-on-five five goal scoring. Chicago um, is a little bit lower, but, like, the you know, they have Kane. They have the Brinkett. Um, Suter kind of, you know, looks like a player. Dominic Kubelik um, continues to be one of the best goal scorers in hockey. So there are a lot of different spots you can go on the slate. Like, there's the obvious, right? Like, anytime Connor McDavid is on a slate, um, he's going to draw a lot of ownership and a lot of attention. But there are several, like a dozen viable lines across these four games or more that I think people should be looking at. And that's that's what interests me on this slate is like, you you know, it's not like a Minnesota Anaheim game where you can just say maybe I'll one off Bat Dumba and then move along or or something like that. Or maybe I'll play John Gibson and I'll move along. Like you have to pay attention to all the lines and all the players in each of these games because they all have, um, you know, a lot of scoring upside, especially on specific lines. 
Yeah, um, a lot of options is another thing. Yeah, so I, I noticed that same thing. I think uh, you can make a case for pretty much every team tonight, if not every team. There's not just, you know, a game that you just uh, kind of discard here for sure. So uh, I think some interesting discussion to be had on each and every one of these four. Uh, Eric Hoffman, Hoffbrow, once again, had a massive night. He says uh, he won the secondary 333 on FanDuel and got second in the twine on DK, won some uh, single entries as well. He said he took home about 20K in total, couldn't have done it without the mods and the members in Slack. Shout out to Eric, uh, very generous with his $100 super chat. I think that's the biggest one gotten this year, but uh, he's been on just an absolute heater uh, for like three weeks, it feels like, at least a couple weeks. Showdown, classic, he does it all, so. Congrats, Eric, and we appreciate the Super Chats. As always, uh, if you guys want to help us out in other ways, feel free to like the video. That helps us a ton. It makes Cliffy and I look good for the bosses. And then uh, subscribe to the channel as well. We've got a bunch of content for NBA, PGA, MMA coming on uh, this weekend as well. Um, and then NHL shows. You'll be notified if you hit the notification bell when uh, all of our shows go live or we have a new upload, uh, Jason Roslin doing some uh, short-form stuff for PGA. Josh Engelman, you guys know him. Osmo OG, he's pumping out a bunch of content uh, throughout the day, as well as joining strategy shows, live before locks, all that stuff. So um, lots happening, and the best way to uh, help us out is by subscribing to the channel. Really quick premium content for today that we got going on is the NHL projections. So uh, if you're not a member yet, uh, NHL projections are free. Feel free to use those, sort by value, pop in a couple of our top values, and um, you know, fill out the rest of your lineup if you're hand-building or plug them into an optimizer if you have Fantasy Cruncher on your own. Also, the NBA big board, playing NBA today. You will not be shorted for content. I know our producer, Tyler, is looking forward to a long night of producing NBA shows. He is nodding his head in agreement uh, behind the scenes there. And then MMA rankings as well. Uh, we've got those for free today because we're playing MMA. Go check those out. See who Alex's top plays are going into the weekend. Let's start with the first couple games at 7 Eastern. Just two locking here. We'll start with Chicago and Carolina. We've got a 2.6 implied total for the Hawks, 3.5. For the Hurricanes, it's going to be Kevin Lankinen and James Reimer in net. And um, relatively new Chicago lines. Um, so it's going to be suited to bring out Kane that uh, we've seen uh, before. Strom, Kubelik, and Brandon Hagel. Um, he was a guy I played way too much of the other night for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Um, and then on the Carolina side, Alo, Terabine, Brock McGinn. Uh, normal Carolina two Netches with Trocheck and Niederreiter, Stahl, Svechnikov, Fogel. Carolina, really deep team. Um, but is there anything on the Chicago side you would be looking to attack here? Or how how would you attack the Blackhawks if you had them at all? Yeah, so one thing I want to mention about Chicago is that they did run different power play units of practice yesterday. Um, Carl Soderberg had been on the top PP unit that looks like it's changing now. Um, looks like he's getting pushed off and Ryan Carpenter is going to join the top power play. So it'll look something like the Brinkat, Kane, Strom, Carpenter with Adam Bachtis, 
um, running the blue line. So Nicholas Baudin isn't on the top power play anymore. And that's a little bit of a problem, specifically on DraftKings tonight, because uh, Adam Bogfist has been listed as a winger on some lineup sites, because when teams go with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, the lineup sites will just put the winger or the extra defenseman up in the forwards just to make it an even 12 and 6. But then DraftKings recognizes those players as a forward and lists them as such. So Adam Bockvist, despite him being the power play one quarterback defenseman, is listed as a winger on DraftKings. So um, you can get more. It allows you to get a bit more creative with your stacks. Like you can you you can do double defenseman stacks from a different team now. Um, you can you know use more one off defensemen. You know not having to push put them in with a stack or something like that. So. It, it doesn't really take away a whole lot from your stacking, but it, it what it'll change is how you attack Chicago because Bockfist, Dupinkat, and Kane are all wingers on DK. So if you have them all, um, here, look, you, you might be struggling to find a double center somewhere else, or you're going to be using one-off centers or maybe two one-off centers. So um, I find myself... Um, when I when I'm in my Chicago lineups, I find myself going to a lot of four and five mans, not so much three mans, and it's just a fact of having Bogfist as a winger. Like I, I don't like have like having to look for double centers elsewhere. Like you can do it, um, but I think like the best one might be like Dylan Larkin or Robbie Fabry or something like that. Um, it's just not an appealing situation. So um, my Chicago, most of my Chicago, I have Strom in with Kane and Debrinkat because I need a center there. Um, I'm using Bogfist a lot because he's a cheap, you know, he's a cheap quote unquote winger um, to use. Ryan Carpenter, like I think he's fine to put in as a one-off. Um, I think he's fine to put in with your Chicago stacks, but it's, he's he's definitely not a guy you got to rush in in uh, to stuff into your lineups. He's just. He's not a great player. He's more just like a body in front of the net trying to cause some disturbance and let the other players kind of work around him. So uh, you can put in Carpenter. I don't think it, it's necessary um, to absolutely shove him in. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going. Kevin Lankin in, in net for Chicago is one of my favorite plays on the entire slate um, for in net anyway because Carolina's uh, one of the heavy sh- shot volume teams in the league. Now, of course, that's the double-edged sword. You know, if you face a ton of shots – could let up a ton of goals and find him hooked after about 10 minutes, but um, he could also face a ton of shots and, you know, save 37 of 38 for the win. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's the latter here. So Lankinen's price is, is getting me over uh, to him a little bit here tonight on, on the Carolina side. I have a lot of interest in that Trocheck Natchez Nita rider line um, to my eyes. Like they've just been outstanding this year. Vincent Trocheck looks like the player, of two or three years ago. Nino Niederreiter looks like the player he was when he first came over from Carolina. Martin Natchez, like, he might not be a household name, might not be super popular among some DFSers, but, like, he he has a lot of, of playmaking skill, let's say. And Niederreiter and Trocek are great shooters. Like, I just think it's a very good chemistry line. Um, and they typically don't see anywhere near top competition from the opposition. Like, Jordan Stahl's line will probably play up against the Brinkhead and Kane. Um, Ajo and Teravina will take some sort of mix of the second and third lines. And then Carolina three will take some sort of mix of the third and fourth lines. And once you get into the depth of the Chicago team, I think that's where a lot of damage can be done. So I have a ton of interest. Trocek, Niederreiter, Natchez. Even if you just want to do a two-man of like Niederreiter, Natchez, and Gardner, 
Um, it's a pretty cheap two man. You can get it in for like 10, 11 K and it allows you access um, to the way expensive stacks that we have later, particularly Edmonton power plays. So um, I, you know, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for using literally any of the Carolina lines, but I'm going to focus on that third line because I think a, it's a great matchup and B there's a two man there um, that I could use for my expensive stacks later. So it's just, you know, I'm focusing more on Carolina three because it's a function of, of the way I'm building my lineups tonight. But if anybody wants to use the Aho Terra Island line, I'm not going to say anything against it. They're fantastic. Yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, <clears throat> Carolina's pretty simple for me. It's just however much I can get with them is fine for me. Like uh, there's three lines you can make a case for. Um, I think I agree that the uh, Trocek line looks to be in the best matchup. You just don't get the top power play correlation because Carolina is so split between their top three lines. Um, so those are like the only holes I can poke in the, the Trocek line. If I'm going to Chicago, I think the Strom line is probably going to see the most of the Aho-Terabina line, which isn't stellar defensively. And, you know, that second line is pretty cheap. If you just want to go Strom, Kubelik that's fine. Um, but not a whole lot of interest in the suitor to break that cane line. You know, they started off really hot with good numbers for like their first four or five games. And now they're just closer to like league average at five on five. So I've cooled on them a bit. I think it's just a really tough matchup. Um, and I would be like bypassing like Winnipeg and some of the Vancouver lines as well. And like McDavid, if you're going to Chicago uh, top line. So can't really prioritize them there. You mentioned before the show, uh, Connor Murphy. It, do you know if he's going to be back? Did, did we get confirmation? Oh, I, I haven't been able to find anything. All okay. I saw was that he was skating this morning. <laughs> they had eight defensemen on the ice. If if I were to make an educated guess right now, whether he's going to be in or out, I'm going to guess Murphy doesn't play tonight and probably okay. plays some, you know, their next game. But he could play tonight. Just be aware of that. Yeah, and I'll have uh, projections updated for that. So just be aware. Um you know, FC is going to move very quickly tonight with only four games. So if you're worried about getting your stacks in there, have no fear. You'll have plenty of time uh, in 20 minutes or so. Um, Dougie, very popular, 6,800. He's kind of the premier defenseman, I think, tonight. Um, scrolling through some of these other guys and the other teams, like, you know, the power play one quarterbacks, you got Hughes, Morrissey, uh, Tyson Berry, uh, Valmaki, he's cheap, I guess, but like not a lot of these guys I would be willing to play as a one-off. And so Dougie looks to be the best one-off defensive for me tonight. The problem is just he's going to be heavily owned because I I think you can play him with pretty much any of the Carolina lines for power play or five-on-five correlation. So uh, like Dougie tonight, uh, he'll probably be my highest owned defenseman or one of them. Um, But yeah, I just know that he's going to have a decent amount of ownership. The rest of these guys on Carolina, it would just be like a sprinkle here and there for the rest of their defensemen. I'm not seeing anyone that I love. I guess maybe Gardner for 2,600 is okay. You mentioned him for the secondary power play uh, time that he gets. Maybe goes a little bit better with the Niederreiter, uh, Netches, two men. Anything else in this game? What about $8,300 Reimer? We're showing heavy ownership on him, on DK. You think he's going to see enough volume? No, I would not. Like, I'm not – he – I just texted him out initially, like right away as soon as I saw his price. Um, for me, like if you want to play him in your correlated lineups, et cetera, et cetera, like, like I, I'm not going to argue with that. But for me, Chicago is near the bottom of the list. It's shot rate of five on five this year. Carolina is one of the best defensive teams. Like I'd be pretty surprised if 
Reimer sees 30 shots. Yeah, I'm coming in closer to like 15% on Reimer, and you've gotten like 30% owned. So he might not be that highly owned just because, you know, I think most people are catching on that the cheaper goalies and the mid-priced goalies that are going to see volume are the better plays. And so, like, if you're one-offing a goalie here, it's probably Lankinen, and you just hope that he can get that save bonus. Um, might even be okay in a loss here, depending on how much volume Carolina puts up because uh, it's looking ugly for some of these other teams defensively. And Chicago hasn't actually been too bad defensively so far this season, which is a little bit surprising. <laughs> Let's go to Florida and Detroit. Uh, 3.2 implied total for the Panthers, 2.4 for the Red Wings. Drager and Grice are your expected goalies. The question here, and you know, we'll know this 20 minutes before lock, so that's the good thing, is uh, are Larkin and Mantha going to be back together? Uh, what do you think? You think they're going to be back together to start this game? I mean, I, I'm making my lineups assuming that Lepi went to the top power play unit, but it's just like how much longer can they keep Anthony Mantha away from Dylan Larkin on the power play? Because this has been going on all season, and their power plays at the bottom of the league. Like, it, it's just shocking to me that they've gone in over a month with just an abysmal power play, and they're just running it back the same thing over and over. I guess I shouldn't say it shocks me because it's Jeff Blashill. If it was like 28 other coaches, I would be shocked, but not from him. Anyways, so that's the problem here is that if if, if the warm-up started, Mantha's on line two, then he's not with Larkin at five on five, and he's not with Larkin on the power play. Now you're just playing him completely uncorrelated and broken play, which I, which could work out. Um, but it's just something people are going to have to be cognizant of. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm willing to make, you know, switch around five, six, seven, eight, ten of my 20 lineups. If I have to, um, at six thirty Eastern, if we get something different, but for now I'm assuming top line Larkin, Sedina and Mantha, uh, with a second line coming in of Fabry, Ryan and Svechnikov. Now, the, what the Red Wings have been doing with their matchups a lot this year is sending out the Nielsen and Ernie line up against the top competition. And that means Barkov, Duclair, Verhage for the Panthers. And that, you know, that Nielsen-Ernie line, it's, you know, they're fine defensively. They're about an average line. So we'll see how they do against Florida 1. But what that does is it opens up the Red Wings first and second lines against the depth from Florida. And that's where they can really be had. Like that top line for Florida is excellent. Uh, the top pair for Florida is excellent. The depth from Florida, forward and defense, not so much. So, um, you know, we're showing a lot of ownership on Detroit, and that's what's really worrying me here is that we have Larkin, Mantha, Zadina as a line in our top stacks coming in at 24%, which, like, I get it because they're cheap and you can fit them in with other top stacks. But, like, if Larkin, if Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha are 25% owned, on a four-game slate, like I'd, I'd say fading them is very viable, especially um, where they may be split on the power play. So, like, I like I hate to say it, but there's just so much up in the air here that I don't have a solid read on this game. So I'll just tell you guys exactly what I'm doing with my lineups. I have I have a bunch of Larkin, Zadina, Mantha, or some combination of them with Philip Hironic, because Philip Hironic jumped to the top power play unit over Christian Juice last game. So that's one thing to note is that Hironic looks like he's going to be running the top power play. Um, so I'm just running a bunch of Larkin, Zadina, Mantha, Hironic lineups. Um, and if I have to change them up at 630, then I have to change them up. On the Florida side, I'm, a, I'm staying away from Florida 1. 
Um, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for playing them. It's they're, they just didn't have, they just didn't get into my mix today. I'm going back to Florida three. Um, Cause they're probably going to see that second line from the Red Wings and the second line from the Red Wings. If Mantha isn't there has been not that great this year. So uh Ryan and Vetrano tip it, take a two man out of there um, to fit in your Edmonton stacks. That's kind of where I'm looking at um, on the blue line. I have John Merrill um, as a punt for, for Detroit. Cause he is playing on the top pair. Um, he's under three K. So he's fine for a punt. But for me, it's basically just, uh, Horonic in my Detroit one lineups. I have some Strawman in my Florida, you know, secondary stacks. Um, that's about it. And I have some Chris Dridger as well, but I don't feel super good about that because I don't like uh, taking goalies um, on the road, um, especially expensive goalies on the road against a team that doesn't take us, doesn't put up a huge shot volume. But um, I think Dridger honestly has the best chance of a shutout here tonight. That's fair enough. I mean, with Detroit, it's like, I like it. Uh, in the top line, if this is going to be correct, it is a guess right now, whether Larkin and Mantha are going to be together, especially, I think it's always a guess with Detroit. You, you just never know. Um, they were put together towards the uh, latter half of the game uh, a couple nights ago. So that's where we're getting this educated guess from, but we haven't seen anything online. So be ready to adjust. Uh, if they are together and this ownership sticks, I mean, even if they're around 20%, not, not 25, I don't think I'm going to be over the field on Detroit. Uh, I like Larkin as a one-off. I like Mantha as a one-off and I like them as a two man, if they are together in pregame skate. Uh, but the power plays like, you're not going to know if Mantha's on a top power play going into this game, regardless. Uh, they, they put Nemestikov and I don't even know a, a bunch of clowns uh, ahead of him in the past. So his power play one spot is uh, very assumed here. It is not confirmed. Um, I think my favorite thing in this game from an ownership perspective is this Florida top line. Um, reasonable ownership. I think they're kind of in no man's land uh, tonight in terms of their price. They're around like there's a lot of good value lines elsewhere. That Winnipeg uh, Vancouver game, bunch of value there. Uh, the next game we'll talk about depending on what Calgary does there's some value there and they're just kind of getting squeezed out or they're not getting the most attention. Uh, and people will leave off Carter Verhage at 5,100. He's not in the top power play. Um, so he's getting uh, pretty uh, like four or 5% lower ownership than uh, Barkoff and Duclair currently. Uh, and they've just been awesome at five on five. So you could go with the full line stack. You'd go with Barkoff, Duclair, and Hornquist or Huberto. I think there's a number of options uh, on the Florida side. You know, you could go to Florida too with our boy Wenberg. Um, I I always just limit him. I never X him out because um, it's like the Joe Thornton thing. Like, you know, there's going to be a Wenberg night at some point this season. You could argue there's been three of them. He's, I think he had goals in three straight games. He just doesn't attempt uh, enough shots. So uh, really hard for those guys to be on winning lineups, but it does happen every once in a while. So play Wenberg at your own risk. As always, I do like Huberto and Hornquist, which is the problem. So maybe just use those two guys as a two man and uh, find your cheap center elsewhere. Yeah. So Jonathan Huberto, I want to talk about him for a sec. Cause I actually, I wrote something up about him for Dauber hockey. I'm going to post next week. Anyways, I just want to talk about Huberto's re- incoming regression that's going to happen this season. He's shooting 40% on the power play. He's never shot above 20% in any season. 
Team is scoring 15 and a half goals per 60 minutes with him on the ice, about 50% higher than any previous season. He's shooting 33% at five on five. He's never been above 14% in any season. Is an on right shooting rate over 12%, and he's never been above 11.5% for a season. An individual expected goals rate of 0.37, which would be good if he was a defenseman. And an individual points percentage of 100%, meaning he's gotten a point on every goal that's been scored with him on the ice. Like, I like Huberto. I think it's one of those things like you don't know when the regression is going to hit. That's the thing about regression. It could come today. It could come in three weeks. But Huberto is going to go through like a super extensive cold spell. And like, it's got to be like, these numbers are just bonkers, like out of control, out of line. I don't like, I don't know how that regression doesn't start hitting soon. And like, it worries me. And that's kind of the reason why I'm not, I hate that my gut is kind of keeping me off of Florida, but that's kind of the reason why I'm not on the Florida top six tonight is that there are like a half, like six or eight, like glaring, like flashing red lights saying that Huberto's production is just going to crash. And it's worrying me. That's just, that's my piece here. And yeah, the, the question, like you said, is just whether or not uh, the regression comes now or in 10 games from now or, you know, 20 games from now, or maybe he just starts to play better and uh, still produces at a high rate. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'd all I be mean, with Alex Wenberg as a center. An elite center. I know. I, I mean, I'm not surprised putting up these type of numbers. <laughs> elite Alex Wenberg centering him. Um, that is a joke, everybody, or if you're listening on podcasts and can't tell. Um, the rest of this game, you know, you've got the double power play one defenseman on the Florida side, Ekblad Yandel. I prefer Ekblad, but $1,400 uh, cheaper is Yandel. So I always end up with more of him than I think I'm going to at first look. Uh, on the Red Wing side, it's just chronic for me. Uh, I think Josh is watching the show. Maybe he wants to jump on and tout some Mark Stahl for $2,500. Um, anyone else cheap in this game that you're targeting on the blue line? Oh, like Merrill, actually. I, I think Merrill's fine. Yeah, John Merrill at $2,900. Yeah. Um, I don't mind him. He's actually having a pretty good season. I think he might be a reason why Detroit's turning it around. But over 20 minutes, three straight games, 23 minutes last game. So if you need a punt, there you go. Josh says, how dare you? Um, <laughs> Clayton says I can end hot streaks by simply rostering whomever may be hot. Well, I mean, that is a power in itself. I'm sure you could make some money. Uh, if you yeah. I mean, I'll, I mean, if I'll give you 50 bucks, if you roster Hubert Oden, <laughs> 50, I, I don't know that. I, I think I would pay more than 50. Um, I don't know. Hit me up, Clayton. We'll, you know, we'll chat after the show. Anything else in this game? No, that's it for me. I think we're good there. Just pay attention to the Detroit Lions if they are, as we're expecting, Larkin, Mantha, Zadina, Fabry, Ryan, Brome. Uh, it's going to be a lot of two mans for me. I am mixing in some three two ones and five two ones because it is a shorter slate. Rather, than I mean, don't, I mean, Brome might be scratched. One of the wingers is getting scratched because Sveshnikov might be in tonight. So there you go. All right, be on the lookout for that. Uh, just wanted to point out, we do have a new-ish Twitter account, Osmo NHL, if you guys want to check out uh, for some highlights. Uh, they post some funny stuff, some fights, as well as important news for DFS and some betting news as well. Uh, if you want to keep on top of that, 
Uh, the best news you're going to find is, uh, and the most recent stuff is in Slack though. So if you want to join uh, ospo.com slash join, we've got an NHL weekly pass for 11.95 per week. Hit me up. If you've got questions about any packages. Uh, this show will go on podcast after the show. I mentioned if you're a podcast listener, all of our shows, our strategy shows uh, go up on the Osmo podcast network. And if you want to have a chance to win a free month of Osmo plus, you just got to give us a five-star rating and then very importantly, review us. That helps us climb the charts of uh, Apple Podcasts, which we're trying to do. We're trying to build up our podcast network. And then going back to Twitter, uh, we're at we're approaching 30,000 followers on Twitter. We need your help. And, uh, you know, we're not asking for your help for free. Uh, if you want to win some free stuff, potentially give us a follow. We're giving away 30 free uh, weekly passes to our followers at awesome underscore com. So there you go. Go do that kind of stuff. Tyler's got it up on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, Edmonton and Calgary, this is a 9 PM Eastern start. They just can't get the staggered starts figured out. I'm just realizing again, like start a game at seven Eastern, start a game at seven 30 Eastern. Then they're like, when you turn on NHL network, there it is. There's the green screen. We did it. We made it halfway through the show. Yeah. Uh, you just got a new camera, didn't you? Yeah, I just bought one two mornings ago. All right. So it's something to do with the connection. Uh, it's not the camera. Uh, we'll get that figured out. But YouTube it, YouTube chat's about to go wild here in a few seconds. They they love when your screen turns green out of nowhere. So, well, now they're, now they're going to be on Calgary and Edmonton tonight. True. This may be like Josh's dogs barking. Um this is the game stack to win everything. Edmonton, Calgary, 3.1 implied total for the Oilers, 3.3 for the Flames, Mike Smith, and uh, it's going to be David Riddick. Is it Riddick or Riddich? Riddick. Riddick. All right. I Riddick. guess you don't watch movies. No, I don't. I, I only watch DFS. I actually just stare at my phone all night and hope my uh, little circles on DK can go towards the right. Um. Calgary took a beating the other night against Vancouver. They, their coach uh, said that they're probably going to make some changes, whether that means someone comes out, someone comes in like just very vague problem is this game does not start right at lock. So we're going with some educated guesses. How are you approaching the Calgary side? I think the Edmonton side's easy. It's, you know, McDavid, whether or not you want to play him, he's expensive, but they're fully correlated on the top power play. Got dry settle as well. Like Edmonton is probably the easiest team in the world to talk about for like the past four years of DFS when McDavid's healthy. How are you treating Calgary though? Yeah, I I think right out of the gate, I'm gonna say I'm not playing Kachuk Lindholm. Um Kachuk Lindholm, and it, I'm assuming it's gonna be Andrew Mangiapani. That line has been playing really well. I don't think they'll break up a line playing well just because they got smashed. Um, I think if you're going to see changes, it might be the Godro or, or the Dubelar, the Lucic line, sorry. Um, but Kachuk, Lindholm, and Manjapani, ass- assuming, are probably going to go into McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, Poole Yarby in that matchup. And honestly, that Oilers top line has just been a meat grinder defensively this year. Like, McDavid got slagged for years for being poor defensively, and now his defensive impacts are just through the roof. <laughs> like, it, it was he's like... He's got the puck the whole time he's on the ice. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but like his defensive impacts are, are kind of crazy. It was, it's like that Michael Jordan meme, right? It's like he, he heard everybody talking 
crap about him defensively, and he took that personally. So now McDavid, Pugliarvi, and Nugent Hopkins, like their defensive numbers are insanely good. 1.6 expected goals against uh, per 60 minutes. Like that's 30% better than the league average. Like <laughs> we're talking over standard deviation better than the league average. Like it's just not a matchup I want anything a part of. I, I will say because Mike Smith's in net, every line's in play. So, like, I'm not going to say you're an idiot for playing Lindholm and Kachuk against Mike Smith. It's just not something I'm playing because I'm avoiding that McDavid, Pugliarvi, Nugent Hopkins matchup. So, I have a lot more Monaghan-Gojo. I do have a fair amount of Monaghan-Gojo tonight because they should see the second and third lines uh, from Edmonton. Like, that second line has just been an absolute dumpster this year for the Oilers. Like, their percentages are great. Uh, but once those percentages start leveling off, and they will, like, they're just getting pounded defensively. 2.6, 2.7 expected goals against, which is just terrible. Like, you know, we just talked about a line that was 30% better defensively. This is about 30% worse defensively than the league average. Like, they, they're they just getting bailed out by <laughs> The Oilers' second line is getting bailed out by Oilers' goaltending, and that just can't uh, just can't go on much longer. So I'm not super high on Monahan and Gojo individually, uh, but as a tandem, uh, you can throw them in. Uh, throw them in like your Vancouver stacks that we're going to get to later. You can throw them in you know, with Florida 1. You can throw them in with uh, any of the Carolina lines. Like They're a pretty versatile line in that sense tonight. Uh, like We talked about changes coming, but Monahan and Gojo almost – always play together so i would be pretty shocked if they get broken up so it's one of those duos that you can kind of rely on um the offensive numbers for the careers have been you know they've been good they tailed off the last season and a half and i have some thoughts about that but uh, we'll save that for another day um i just think it's a good matchup going into that edmonton second line so monahan gojo um i brett richie penciled in as their winger right now because he finished the game with him he played like their last three or four shifts the other night with them brett richie 2500 um, you can throw him in if you want, uh, you know, kind of as like a, if he plays there, then I'll use him. Um, but the problem is, is that if they bring in like Joaquin Nordstrom and he's $100 more expensive, you could be boned, right? So uh, just watch the salaries if you are using any of the non-elite players from Calgary because you got to make sure you leave enough salary that you could switch out um, when warm-ups hit. So that's where I'm at on Calgary, on the Edmonton side, Edmonton power play. Um, that's you know, I'm just five, four, and five man stacking Edmonton as many ways as I can. Like, I have over 50% ownership. Uh, McDavid, I'm like 30% dry sidle. Um, should mention that again, last game, Pooley RV and Chase on split the power play. Uh, so if you want to, you know, get a little bit different, save some money, throwing on Alex Chase on into your Edmonton power play stacks is just fine. Um, so that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Edmonton power play, uh, Gojo Monahan. And I also want to mention Rasmus Anderson played the final power play for Calgary in their last game, not Yuso Valimaki. Uh, so there's another wrench into those plans because I think Anderson is $900 more expensive on DraftKings. So you might have to put him in there. And then actually you won't even know because we won't know if he's on the power play and warm up. So right now we're just kind of guessing. My guess is that they go back to Rasmus Anderson, top power play. But honestly, it could be Anderson. It could be Valimaki. It could be Giordano. I mean, hell, it could be Noah Hannafin. We just really don't know. And I wish we had a better answer for the listeners, but we don't. Yep. A lot of uncertainty tonight. Um, line combos, power plays. Uh, one thing is certain, though, uh, Edmonton power play pretty good. You mentioned McDavid. 
Uh, I'm going to try to get overweight on uh, Edmonton one. I think people are going to have a pretty tough time paying 7,100 for Nugent Hopkins. So he's going to be a guy that I try to force in. Same thing with Dreisaitl. Uh I will certainly have some onslaughts going up against Riddick here with Tyson Berry. Uh, it gets very expensive, but you know, there's always some cheap third line two mans that you can get to that are at no ownership. So uh, I'm certainly not shying away from the Edmonton uh, power play stack or just you know, Edmonton one, which is basically the power play stack with Pugliarvi getting a decent amount of power play one time. Um, and the reason I like Edmonton here is because I think there's a pretty good chance Manji Pani isn't on the Lindholm-Kachuk line. And the, like Lindholm and Kachuk just haven't been the same with Manji Pani, whether that's a coincidence or not is, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess, going forward if they get broken up again, but uh, McDavid matchup proof that line has just been crushing people, as you said. And, you know, I think Calgary is a team that you got to be careful with. Like if you just use projections and you're just using shot share um, from like Lindholm and Kachuk, they're going to grade out very well from a projection standpoint, but the matchup that they're going to get is not a very good one at all. So I want to be over on Gaudreau and Monaghan, or at least, you know, closer to the field on them. If you like Vancouver, if you like Winnipeg better, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, but, yeah, I prefer, greatly prefer the Monaghan and Gaudreau duo. And uh, Brett Ritchie, Alex Baker, one of his favorite guys to play in all of DFS, which is one of the things that stuck with me. Uh, like, one of the first conversations I had with Alex about NHL was, like, he loved playing min-salary Brett Ritchie when he was playing with Sagan and Ben back in the day. So I, I just always remember that when uh, ever Brett Ritchie pops up in the top six somewhere. So there you go, yeah, Alex. Brett Ritchie. I, I swear to God, I've been writing about Brett Ritchie over at Dauber Hockey, season-long fantasy hockey, for like six years now. I've been like, <laughs> Is he, been he really, good? He's not good, right? No, he had a – I want to say he had like a 17-goal season a few years huh. ago. That's not bad. He, right, he, had, was, he had a 16-goal season playing 12 minutes a game. Dang. Yeah. Um, was that so, in Dallas? Yeah. And he's, okay. he, put, he generally puts up really good shot rates. Like, I would liken him to Luke Cunning. He'll, he'll put up good shot rates, but he can't do anything else. Okay. He needs, you know, quality guys to carry the line. Right. And the question is, if, even if he starts the game there, is he going to be there in the third period? You know. Probably not. I mean, right. the, the way that I would like to play Lindholm and Kachuk would just be if you're going Calgary on the slot. It is Mike Smith in that. You just never know. Uh, it's already a game that's random. Throw Mike Smith into the mix. He could look like the greatest goalie ever, or he could let in, you know, four goals in his first five shots. So, uh, and then the Calgary defensemen are a complete mess. I think I like Geo the best, but I have no idea if he's going to be on the top power player. Like you said, Valmaki, uh, Anderson, it could be anyone. So uh, play those guys, I guess, at your own risk. We got to mention uh, Evan Bouchard, by the way. This guy just throws everything at the mat. I, he's 4,900. So we're getting to a spot where, like, is it ridiculous to play him? Did you see his ice time last game? What was it? Nine minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not then. They played They played Nurse and Barry top pair, like, 25. And then they played Russell Larson second pair, like, 20. Or 22. Did they get someone back that game? Why did he fall off a cliff? Because they, they just decided to use Russell and, and okay. Larson as like a second pair shutdown type thing. Interesting. 
All right. Well, I mean, if he has another big game for 4,900, uh, I don't know what we're going to do with this guy. But, yeah, I think maybe I need to bump his projection down. Uh, it's modest right now, it's, I think. But he's, he's in there for, like, 17 minutes, I think. So we'll get that fixed. Uh, he'll probably be closer to the low teens. I, I don't know what to do with this guy. At first, I was like, oh, 3K, and this guy's just shooting the puck every time he gets it. But now we're, we're in a little different uh, scenario where he's 4,900 and played nine minutes last game. Let's go to the last game, and then we will get out of here in about six or seven minutes. We've got the Jets and the Canucks. Three implied total for the Jets, three as well. For the Canucks, basically a pick em. Connor Hellebuck probably going for Winnipeg. Thaxa Demko is confirmed. For the Canucks, no changes that I'm seeing on the Canucks side. For the Jets, they scrapped their lines pretty early last game, and the lines that I'm seeing on the screen that I just actually saw on Twitter – from their morning skate are Shifley with Connor Wheeler. So we're familiar with uh, that line's body of work. And then Stastny with Kopp and Ehlers, which was a very good trio as well, and probably gets the better matchup. So what do you like on the Winnipeg side here? So I like one thing before we jump into anything, I see we have a super chat from Clayton actually. Oh, yeah. Clayton again. And he asks uh, for a mid dollar three max on a short slate, would you plan a flag on one line or spread it out? Usually when I play three maxes, I'll I'll take like one or two dominant lines. So like tonight I might take like Edmonton power play or something like that. Um and then maybe like a, a Florida Florida top line or something like that or or a Carolina power play and then I'll mix in like th- filler stacks with them. So mm-hmm. like I'll have you know I might do like Edmonton and then three filler stacks or like two Edmonton one Florida and then three filler stacks or something like that. So I, I I do spread it out a little bit, but I would you definitely have to focus down. Like I wouldn't do like two teams and then two teams and then two teams. I think I think you're spreading yourself far too thin at that point. I think in well, depending on contest size. I think so. Like I'm thinking about it. Like if you're playing the fifth, the forty man live final, and you have three tickets, like what Drewby had last year. I think then you could go two two yeah. two. Yeah. Um, I think on a slate like this, like I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having two guys like a, a handful of guys in two of the three lineups, but I would probably try to differentiate and I would, I would try to differentiate uh, and correlate my goalies if it made sense as well. Like you don't want to be tying yourself to one goalie um, on this kind of slate. Uh, it, it's hard to say because every, every set of games is going to be different, but in general, yeah, I would mostly go with like, if you like three different main stacks, start with them and you could use one of those main stacks as a secondary stack on another line and get like different line of constructions where in one lineup you're going with uh, an expensive defenseman uh, or a couple of expensive defensemen on one lineup, you're going with uh, two cheaper defensemen. So just getting differentiation that way uh, I think is the best way to go. I wouldn't just, you know, say I have to go hundred percent on one line. You might end up there, but uh, most times I would just go on the side of differentiation just for the sake of it. Yeah, I agree. Like two out of three, two out of three type thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Winnipeg, Vancouver. You like anything on the Winnipeg side? Winnipeg won. Yeah. Popular, most popular line of the night. Yeah. So that's the thing here is Winnipeg one's ownership is pretty high. Shifley, Connor, Wheeler. Um, here's the thing is they're not a great five on five line. If you look at their numbers going back to last year, they're about 45% shot share expected goal shares. Sorry. 
if you go back and include 2018, 19, it's 47%. Like this is well below a break even shot share line. Um, and they don't score a ton, like two and a half goals per 60 minutes. Isn't that great. Like it's above average, but it's not elite. And we've talked about Blake Wheeler this week. He's, he just doesn't look like the same player that he was two or three years ago. Uh, he's having a lot of time, uh, a lot of difficult time with zone entries. He looks brutal defensively and Kyle Connor's not good defensively either. So if that line is, we can see that line just get pinned into their zone. Right. And what scares me um, about this matchup in particular is like Vancouver's kind of starting to turn it around, right? Uh, one thing I know, like we talked about, I think on our last show you and I did together about how the Vancouver top line, Pedersen, Besser, Miller was starting to look better. And I actually went and looked at their numbers by month so far this season. So Vancouver's top line in the month of January, 2.0 expected goals, four per 60 39% expected goals share. In the month of February, 3.4 expected goals, 4 per 60, 68% expected goals shared. Like, they are just throttling the opponent. Um, now, the problem here is, is that they've been using the Pedersen line against the depth. And believe it or not, like, the Pedersen line going up against Stasny, Ehlers, and Kopp is a way, way, way mm-hmm. worse matchup for them than it going up against Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor. So I actually have a – I do have a lot of Vancouver power play stacks here tonight because the Winnipeg Jets don't take a lot of penalties, but their penalty kill is atrocious. So, like, if Vancouver can actually get on the power play, if they can get three or four power plays here tonight, I think they can do a lot of damage against, against Winnipeg. So, like, a Vancouver power play stack – other than McDavid is my second most owned stack here tonight. Um, but if I'm going to stack and stack an even strength line out of this game for Vancouver, it's, it's Horvat, Hoglander and Pearson, because I want to get as much as that Shifley Wheeler Connor match as I can, because I like, they might put up a couple goals, but like I said, they're going to be horrible defensively and they're going to be running around in their own, own end for a fair bit of the game. So uh, yeah, put me down for Vancouver power play. I do have, I do have interest in Winnipeg too. Or sorry, not Winnipeg two, Vancouver three. I don't know why I said Winnipeg two. Vancouver three. Adam Gaudet, his his individual expected goal numbers this year are just like bonkers, like out of control, insane. Like top ten in the league with Toffoli and those guys, <laughs> insane. So um, Gaudet and Sutter is a little two man that I have in some of my McDavid lineups um, because they should see the depth from from Winnipeg. And you know, once you get down to the four boards and the Pionks, there's not a lot to worry about defensively. Vancouver's my favorite spot of the night. So I'll be uh, heavy on the Vancouver late night hammer. Uh, Hellebuck is a very good goalie. So that worries me. Winnipeg just tilts me to no end. He's not. Oh, it's, it's Brassois. All right. Even better. Yeah, let's go, baby. All right, let's do it. Vancouver. Uh, I mean, I liked them before against Hellebuck, but, uh, if it's going to be Brassois, sounds like it is, then, uh, yeah, I feel even better about Vancouver, you know, we might be undershooting their ownership just a little bit on some of their top guys, but I don't think like they're going to be as popular as Winnipeg. Um, I I don't, I don't think any Vancouver line is going to be as popular as Winnipeg one. Yeah. So yeah, give me some, you know, I'll go with some Winnipeg two, just because they've been really good at five on five. I'll have a ton of the uh, Vancouver figure out a way to not have them going up against Stastny cop Ehlers at least the whole game, uh, but you get them fully correlated top power play. 
that is always nice throwing Bo Horvat. Certainly going to have some five man Vancouver's uh, Vancouver stacks as well. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about this Vancouver side. So hopefully they're not too chalky now that we talked them up so much. But uh, yeah, I don't think too many people watch the show that we're going to really sway ownership at all. Someone asked for a hat trick pick on the night. You got one that uh, comes to mind here? Maybe one in this game. Uh, I'm going to go Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. All right. I like the call. I will go with, I like Brock Besser, $6,200 Besser. Um, and then kind of your favorite goalie of the night. Oh, Lankinen by a mile. Okay. Yeah, just the volume. Uh, I like Lankinen. Uh, I'll throw in Demko. I'm going to have a lot of Demko with my uh, Vancouver stack. So going for the correlation play and uh, just cheap. Wenberg, Hattie, I, I sure hope not. Although I, I will not have 0% Wenberg. I'll tell you that. I'll I mean, if, if Wenberg, shows. Hatties, I won't even be around for late lock. Yeah, <laughs> just drinking yourself into oblivion. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun show. Uh, late news is going to be important. Anything else? to add here cliffy before we head out uh not at all just be around for tomorrow because josh and i are on all right that'll be at three eastern normal time tune into those guys catch this show on podcast we'll also have that show tomorrow up on podcast shortly after its completion thanks to tyler for producing thanks to you all for watching hit the subscribe button on the way out helps us out a ton and good luck in your contest tonight